You are listening to Talking I.O., a podcast about technology in the real world, where we discuss enterprise technology, how to sell it, and how it best helps your customers. Your hosts are Christian Cloud and Stuart Harmon, and we work for Dell EMC. Follow us on TalkingIO.com or on Twitter at TalkingIO. Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Talking I.O. Appreciate everybody listening. Uh, this is Stuart Harmon, one of your hosts. And I'm Christian Clow. With us today, we have Mark Perry. Mark, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, so my name is Mark Perry. I am a systems engineer at Nutanix, focused on the OEM relationship and partners. So when you say OEMs, you know, uh, part of what I think we try and do some on this this show is just kind of define a little bit of what are, what what are our definitions? What are we talking about? I think mostly because we've had sure. a cloud series going, and everybody says cloud means everything. So, so Mark, uh, what is the OEM? Yeah, what are you what are you really <laughs> doing at, at Nutanix? So sure, I mean we could break it down in layman's terms. So original equipment manufacturer. So someone like Dell, EMC, um, Lenovo, and now IBM. If we look at it from a Nutanix perspective, we only truly are, I guess, partnered with three OEMs, and those would be the three. Um, Dell EMC actually being our strongest. Awesome. We'd love to hear that. And we'll get a little bit more into our relationship in, in a little bit here. I know we start the show. It's in our formal intro, which you guys don't hear unless you listen to the, the podcast. But uh, you know, Christian and I do work for Dell EMC. We obviously have a, a bit of a bias because we've been brainwashed. But we want to make sure that we, we cover all the bases from Nutanix. So, Mark, greatly appreciate you joining. So coming up in the next couple of weeks here. Christian and I will be in Atlanta and Chicago next week. If anybody uh, out there is around, we'll be in downtown Atlanta on Peachtree Street next Tuesday, Wednesday. Which Peachtree Street? The one that, I've been to before. <laughs> that's the joke in Atlanta. There's oh, a yeah, Peach that's Street. a good call. That's yeah. a good call. <laughs> one uh, of 30. One of 30. Everything's Peachtree. <laughs> we'll be in downtown Chicago later next week and then coming out to Austin in December. So, uh, we'll definitely reach out to those of you that we know are on the line that live in those areas. Um, look forward to meeting up with everybody. And we should the be in the Bay Area in November as well. Like oh, yeah. yeah. Perfect. Bay Perfect. Area. Love it. I don't need to travel anymore, though, this year. I hit MVP Gold on a MVP gold on Alaska, so I'm done. Like Technically, I'm out of travel. That's all I needed. <laughs> That's the only goal. I'm, not, I'm nowhere near close enough. Mark, are you traveling much these days, or they got you locked down? No, actually, um, well... I mean, here and there, I'll be in New Orleans next week. I still, you know, make it out in New York, pretty much wherever they need me. So, yeah, uh, kind of slowed down for a couple months, but about to start hitting again pretty hard. Great. Uh, so I'm going to miss you in New Orleans by a week. That's my – I'm going there for Halloween. It's a great time. Uh, have not been there for Halloween yet. I can only imagine. It's a little insane. I did New Year's there right a couple up, years right, ago. Right up your alley, buddy. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> it it's, is. It's a good time. <laughs> Last year, I stayed on Bourbon Street for Halloween weekend, uh, a Seahawks playing the Saints game down there, and then oh, the, right. the day of Halloween. Did they win? No. The Seahawks? No, it was no. awful. But the people <laughs> nice, in New Orleans nice. were really nice to us as being losers, so it's okay. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going Kardashian style next week. I actually got a room at the Ritz, um, only because it was an amazing deal. So are you going to release some embarrassing selfies? Uh, yeah. <laughs> You're going Kardashian <laughs> style. <laughs> Oh geez. So, Mark Christian, there's three people on this talking right now. One of us has to have been hacked in the last six months. Anybody know whose information's been released to the masses? I don't, but I'll find something funny. So I use Capital One as a credit card, and uh, they do the uh, 
automatic credit check, whatever. And I think they were using I, – I, I don't remember. I think they were using the one that was hacked. So I get an email that says, look at your TransUnion, completely the opposite one in like bold text. <laughs> just so you know, your, your information has not been hacked. These people have the correct information. So it's just kind of funny like the way that you know the uh, data and, and, and what – what people, I guess, the cleanup that people have to do after a hack like that. Yahoo. I, sorry, go ahead, Mark. I can only imagine. Sorry. Yeah, I can only imagine. I mean, of course, I got that whole Experian email and, uh, you know, did the check to see if you're one of the millions. They're like, yeah, we, we believe that yours was some of the information. And I was like, oh, okay, awesome. Did you Thank click you. on it before you signed away your rights to sue them as part of their breach? Or. <laughs> Um, yeah, I waited until that was actually all done, and then I went back in there, and I have, I've used LifeLock and all that, so I, I wasn't too worried about it. But I'm like, no, I'm gonna, if I can get on, get in on soon, I'm, you know, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go that route. Nice. I uh, something has to be. It, the worst part was they were just lazy. It wasn't even. It, it's not like we don't work in the industry. We know the challenges with security concerns, but still. Um, we talked about this before. Like, unfortunately. You're always playing catch up. Yeah, like that's the that's the uh, the catch twenty two in terms of security and IT in the you know in the tech world. I was more shocked by the Yahoo announcement because I didn't know that Yahoo still had three billion customers. How do you have three billion users and still can't succeed in the business? I have yeah. not even. Nope. What's the last time you've been? Nobody to actually checks it anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's old emails from like ninety nine that are still sitting yeah. out there. Yeah, you can have them. My favorite was the SEC hack. Not my favorite, but the most terrifying. So I've always thought the advantage of being a senator, right, is they have no insider trading laws for senators. So you can write a bill that just you know you're going to take a market, buy against it, or you're going to bounce a market, and you can buy against it. It's perfectly legal for congressmen to do that. Right. The people that did this SEC one are brilliant. Hack the SEC, know every possible move that's going to happen in the stock market, and then go buy against it. Yeah, that's not just stealing user data to steal some credit card fraud. <laughs> right, right. Uh, anyways, I'm I'm in, I'm always impressed by a good. It's called making moves. Talent. Uh-huh. <laughs> Talent. Oh man, so I thought this was just a little bit more of our our day to day news. Uh, Western Digital has bought Tagile. I didn't even know they were still around. I haven't heard them in probably a year now. I haven't either. So that'll be interesting to see where they go with that. You know, Western Digital bought SanDisk. What? Yep. A year and a half ago, so now they have a huge stock. I brought it. We brought it up on the last show. I'm excited that that we're buying into the Bain Capital led group with us and Apple around buying out the Toshiba SSD, which Western Digital's partners with. So I'd be curious to see if they stick in the component side or if they go to the the system build side. Sounds like they're planning to change the business model a little bit. Like, we just it'd be kind of curious to see what's going to happen. Yep. And then CompuCom, which we've met a few of the guys from there. I actually ran into a cashier checker at the grocery store in the middle of nowhere yesterday. He used to work for CompuCom. I don't even know how the conversation came up. Like it was one of those in 10 seconds I found out that she used to work for CompuCom. Office Depot. I've always thought Office Depot and Best Buy would be great to get into the business uh Unfortunately, what a lot of our partners do, right? But that direct head-on, low com- low value, high commodity, slinging boxes thing. Mm-hmm. They've already got regional warehouses throughout the entire nation. Oh, that's a good point. All yeah. they have to do is turn a key. Yeah. 
start selling business to business, and now they've got stock in every city in the nation. Yeah. Is it office? Yeah, I mean, it, it, go ahead. Yeah, Mark. I mean, oh no, go ahead. I mean, when you think about, it, they already offer quite a bit of stuff. Why not? Right. Why not keep going? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a you don't have to get into solutions. You can just have advanced stuff there. I was gonna make fun of Russia today. But then I realized that all the people that they're hacking, I probably shouldn't make them mad. Go tell them what'll happen to. <laughs> yeah. they, they are listening. <laughs> Although this, I got to say, the citywide facial recognition—they just introduced it to Moscow. China just did the same thing China, in a couple yeah. of their major cities. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. I absolutely hate it. It's the idea that you can't go anywhere without them knowing where you are. It is. I think everybody made fun of the Minority Report when it came out uh, what, ten years ago. Just about to say that. I, I just—it was on HBO or something uh, two yeah. nights ago, and I rewatched it. Yep. Man, they nailed it. <laughs> yep. That was so true. Very good. Um, but on the good news, I am excited. We got the new Deep Space Gateway, the new moon-based potential space station that we're at least teeing up in some good stuff. So funny story in that aspect. Yeah, I love it. Even my three-year-old has this, like the star app now and everything. So I literally was in the young NASA or young astronauts club when I was a kid. Oh, that's cool. Had the Buzz Aldrin haircut. Uh, you know, with, with the mullet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if the Buzz Aldrin mullet doll is a, an official. In <laughs> um, the last note, you know, as we kind of drop into to our conversation today, um, I thought there were a couple of interesting points I saw drop out from Gartner this week. Um, one is, and this is something that's been going on for a while, there's no definition of cloud, right? If I go to buy organic groceries, there's a definition of what organic is. You just can't call it organic, right? Um, cloud, anybody can call anything cloud. And, and, and as we get started in the conversation today, the first thing we're going to do is a little bit of define some aspects of cloud and what we're what component of that we're talking about. Uh, I think it's really important to have that same conversation with customers. And I usually get a funny look from them when I say just define cloud for me. Uh, and then we get into the conversation. It's always really valuable. Um, it was good to see Gartner and, and some others talking about that same thing of, of how to define what aspect we're talking about. Um, Mark, do you see that as a as a kind of the first hurdle? Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely a hurdle and it's something I always – talk about within users or even, you know, when I'm doing my trainings is, you know, your customers or even the end users, I know y'all are looking at cloud, but what, what does it mean to you? Why are you looking at it? Is just because somebody threw it out there that, Hey, you should look at it. So yeah, it's definitely one of those that it's always going to come up. And one of the first hurdles, and I think we're going to touch on it is, you know, what does the cloud mean and what does HCI mean to it? Because of course, in my job that comes up. And we actually even start when we go into HCI, you know, what, do you understand really the difference in converged and what we call hyper-converged, right? And make sure that those definitions are pretty clear as well. well you know, right. I think that's a good starting point, actually, as we dive into this. Um, so let's let's uh, let's start with HCI. Um, how would you define HCI, Mark? So, uh, I mean, we could definitely take it to, you know, exactly what it is. It's hyper-converged, right? So when we look at it, when we, we started talking about converged, and let's relate it back to Dell EMC, right? You know, we can look at, you know, Vertex and FX and things like that, where we started to converge down compute and some storage to allow faster access to data, right? Well, then it started to go, well, why can't we do that with storage also? So now we started to introduce hyperconversion to the market and that infrastructure saying, hey, let's, let's collapse everything, put in either a purpose-built appliance 
or something we can give to you that you can load software on to basically eliminate some of the, you know, complexity in the data center, right? So we started to touch on it and kind of, you know, that, that really good, you know, a little tiny back scratcher to full on back massager with, you know, hyperconverged, right? So now we took everything. We could take 8U and go down to 2 instead of, you know, adding on another 8U when we go to expand. So really, it, it took a lot of the complexity out of the data center with HCI. So let's take a just a, a bit of a sidestep, right? Software defined is what we're talking about right here. But there's a difference in software defined storage and hyperconverged. Sure. And Big it can time. be a fine line depending on what your use case is more than anything, right? But but how do you see how do you help your customers kind of understand is it software defined storage or is it a true hyperconverged infrastructure and where's the sweet spot? So Wow. You know, that's, that's a great question. So really, when you talk about an actual software defined model in an HCI marketplace, you're actually going right back to what every one of your customers starts the conversation with is cloud, right? So now you look at more of a provisioning than you do anything else. So when you look at software defined storage, yeah, that's great. You've minimized some of the complexity with your software. What about your networking needs, your compute? Um, what about the extra software now that you've got a couple to be able to get there? So now you're kind of taking a step more away from what true HCI is and hyper-converging everything. And now you're back to having more of a three-tier conversation with some, some, I guess you could say, um, how, how do I put this? Kind of, hey, you can dabble in it with some software-defined stuff, but you're still going to be able to, hey, I still need to get those servers, that extra networking, things like that. Um, so really, it's a great place to start with some customers because maybe they have a lot of inherent storage or SAN arrays that they want to be able to utilize better. So you can pack it on that way. But if it's someone that actually wants to get that more flexibility and growth and be able to switch from here to there, and I'm kind of leading, I think some of the questions are going to be coming, but really more of that cloud experience, then you really need to have more of an HCI software defined. And I think VMware does a good job kind of pitching it the way they do, where they call it a software defined data center, right? So yeah, definitely. And so like just just to be clear, um, if you have a HCI environment, it, it's definitely software defined, but not the other way around. So just software defined doesn't mean that it's an appliance. Um, Correct. But okay, yeah, definitely. Yeah, right. And I think some of the definitions software defined is just taking off the shelf hardware and wrapping software around it to make it do an appliance like function. Hyperconverged is compute and storage on the same component. Right. And, and you know what? Let's take a step back there and just kind of relate it. Right. So Nutanix as a whole, that's what we do. Right. We are a software based company that have taken the ability of appliance or white boxes or anything out there and be able to take those and make them an actual hyperconverged infrastructure. Right. With our software, it's what we always talk about when we speak to Nutanix. Right. It's the web scale. How does Facebook do it? How does Google do it? So the way those big players do it, we've taken that aspect built it in our software and given it to the masses, right? So I think a lot of people ask, how does Facebook do it? Why do we care how Facebook does it? That's a good question. Man, why not? I mean, they do it a, they do it extremely well. I mean, this guy's worth, worth billions of dollars, and he actually doesn't sell anything. So when you look at it from a, <laughs> an infrastructure view, you know, um, he, he has a, a knack of hiring, you know, developers, innovators things like that, right? So if you're going to hire those type of people in your environment, 
What do you not want to have happen? You don't want to add complexity of, you know, legacy infrastructure or old outdated stuff or things like that. You want to keep up with it and all these all these changes. Um, so how do you do that in the aspect of the IT world? Well, building true web scale, a distributed everything model that, you know, there's no more fires to put out if a hard drive goes out. You know what? Actually, there's no more fires if a whole node goes out or a server or anything like that. You can keep going when you're talking about someone like Facebook, 24, 7, 365 days a year of selfies. You know, they've got to be up all the time. Okay, definitely. So, um Let's take a step back. Uh, you know, you work with Nutanix and uh, or for Nutanix, excuse me. Like, could you give us a little bit of history in terms of like uh, um, how the company was started and uh, kind of want to work it eventually into a conversation regarding what your future vision is at Nutanix and kind of like how it works. What's what's the uh, what's the secret sauce? So, just kind of want to start with uh, what what about a little bit about the history. Sure. So um, if, if you've ever had the, you know, the privilege of uh, being out there and hearing one of our presidents speak, Sadish Nair, uh, was actually one of our first sales guys. Uh, it started up in 2009, uh, officially kind of hit the market about 2011. Um, they started with um, what we call the NX line, uh, which is super micro box um, with our software on it. Right. Um we pitched it as true web scale at that time, right? So being able to take the what everybody does, and it was really built off the premise of Google, right? The Google file system, um, how they do things in a distributed method, we built that into the software. Well, we didn't. I don't want to be included in that. We have great developers that did, right? <laughs> uh, D. Raj Pandey, our CEO. Go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. No, I was laughing. Go ahead, yeah. Oh, okay. So, um, but... You know, they, they took what everybody and those big guys and what you're just saying, why do we care what Facebook? They took all of that and produced a great software product. So if I take a step back and I look at it in 2011, what was a lot of people looking at, right? We just got over that whole aspect of virtualization. Now people are looking at VDI. So we really hit the marketplace with a strong VDI presence, right? We're able to deliver all those virtual desktops in a very small uh, footprint with a lot of performance and power. Right. So that's really how we hit the market and really hit it, you know, hit the ground running. And then right around, um, I think, 2012, 2013, they started having talks with Dell EMC as an OEM. 2014, correct me if I'm wrong, or was it 2013? It's hard to remember now. Um, we released the XC line uh, with Dell and then it kind of took off from there. So if I forward to now we've actually taken giant leaps. Now we support every tier one, tier two, tier three application you could think of. We have companies that are utilizing now, starting out with SAP, uh, big databases. Awesome. We support bare metal. I mean, we've, we've expanded beyond that and we've actually been a leader in the market um, in the magic quadrant since we actually launched. Um, so um, future vision as it goes, you know, what does everybody want as we start to do this and you start to look at hyperconverge, right? How can we make it simple? Because when I look at it from an engineering standpoint and I go and, you know, I do deployments or, you know, POCs, I start to see that, you know what, we've done a good job of taking all the complexity and putting it in one, but we've got to take a step further now, right? What about all the complexity and job functions now? What about the person that doesn't know networking, the person that doesn't know storage, the person that, guess what? I don't know how to deploy a Kubernetes. We've taken it and actually helped and created it within our software 
orchestration, automation, network visualization, all in about in one piece of software. What, uh, so definitely moved from just being a VDI play into a full-blown, like you said, tier one, two, three um, type of solution. Um, I, I, uh, you mentioned Kubernetes. Uh, like, what's, uh, How does Nutanix view the uh, containers? I know that's a big conversation now. Uh, um, yeah, like, how does, like what about containers? Like how, how does that play with the Nutanix? Oh, great. We actually have container functionality that are built in. We have RESTful APIs where people can add it. If you're a scripting genius, you can actually do it and build up a Kubernetes or a Docker or anything like that, but we already have the integration. What makes it even better is we actually have an automation orchestration now in our marketplace will actually be launching soon built into Prism, and it's going to look like just any other cloud provider out there where I can click on it, and the Kubernetes template is already there. I can choose then to deploy it. I can deploy it on-prem on my Nutanix cluster, or actually, and this is this is you know kind of alluding to what you said, our future, right? We want the flexibility of options. You know, all cloud providers aren't alike. You're talking S3, Blob, you know, things like that, different methods. What if we gave you that template, but then allowed you to deploy it on whatever you see fit? So we've actually integrated that with our acquisition of Calm that we made a few years ago. So uh, could you explain a little bit about Prism? Like, what is Prism? So Prism is going to be our management interface um, that all of your functionality or anything you want to do with your cluster. Um, It's an HTML5 GUI, which means literally just like some rich guy on friggin' Twitter is flying over the Nevada desert, his helicopter, he's upgrading his Nutanix cluster. You can pull it up on anything, right? Um, (laughs) Awesome. If, if I if I look at it in Nutanix and, you know, one of the strong plays is we've we have deep, deep enterprise class features, but we make it extremely consumer friendly. Um, so the integrations already there. Prism it just makes it nice, beautiful, easy. Click around a lot of, hey, I don't know what's going on. Click the question mark. It'll give you an article that tells you exactly how to do it. Right. So everything's very transparent. Prism is just how we take all of that complexity and allow you to management or manage it very easily. So I want to take a sidestep real quick. When we start talking about cloud, and again, it kind of goes back to some definitions, right? Hyperconverged sure. isn't cloud. S3 isn't cloud. Um, it sounds like you're solving for a couple of components, right? It's the ability to give end users uh, the automation and orchestration layer to quickly provision, deprovision. Uh, it, it gives you the ability to put the workload at the right place. So whether that be public or private, um, are those layered? So I buy a Nutanix box that solves for hyper-converged. I add on some of these Prism functionality and that solves for orchestration automation. Uh, I add on uh, AWS or Google Cloud Platform and I federate those and then that adds for kind of uh, right workload, right location. Right. So I think you kind of nailed it. And you know what? So this is great. And I, I'm glad, I, you know, I wish every customer actually approached it that way, the, the way you knew you kind of did, but you get a grasp of the cloud, right? So we actually have more of a conversation now. And, have, you know, I think Christian brought it up, you know, what's our future look? So when we look at it before, and we talked about HCI all the time in Nutanix, well, the last few months, we've actually transitioned and we actually want to have an enterprise OS or an enterprise cloud OS conversation, right? So I always ask the customer, I'm like, why do you want to go to the cloud? 
Well, I don't have the expertise. Well, I can spin it up really quickly. So that's what's great about Nutanix, right? Every point that cloud touches, whether it's pay as you go, right? That's kind of Nutanix is bread and butter. I can add after my three initial nodes, one node at a time. So I can pay as I grow, right? Or with now the combination of the automation orchestration, I even have more of a chargeback feature that I could do because it's going to track every time I spin up, let's say a Kubernetes, what it costs to spin up that VM and what it is, what it is to run it every hour, right? So I've taken every cloud-esque feature and we've incorporated in Nutanix. And as we start to grow and do everything, especially over the next year, you're going to see a lot more of that release to cover all aspects of cloud, public, private. You know, I want to provision faster. I want a pay-as-you-go model. Well, we're going to allow that in for you to do it right there on-prem. Or guess what? We have the connections that you could do it with Google. You could do it with Azure. And you could do it with Amazon. So cool. I, I have a question. Like, um, so when you're saying like uh, when you in terms of hooking or uh, integrating with different cloud platforms, public cloud platforms, is it just mm-hmm. to be considered, at, let's say, as like a target for a DR or backup solution, or are you able to actually run full workloads in conjunction with your Nutanix environment? Like, uh, how how does that work? So it's kind of basically a little bit of both. Um, so awesome. if, if you choose. If you choose to do it, it's it's more of that hybrid fashion, right? Exactly, so yeah. a good a good use case, right? So let's say that I want to spin up a SQL server. Well, what I can do utilizing Calm and make it really easy is I can actually go into the template. I could choose to actually deploy that and say I want to deploy it on Azure. I could go, good, it's going to have the connection. And all of a sudden, I go to deploy it. It'll take me to the portal. I can sign in there. Then I could go back to Calm and actually deploy that same SQL server and go, I want it on my Nutanix cluster also. So you have the checks balances right there, right? So you have them both run in the same place, and you can actually, with our Cloud Connect, connect them and have that DR. Okay, awesome. So, um, it, it, a couple of things you had mentioned as well is like automation orchestration, and that's just a big part of uh, the digital transformation. It's no longer managing things from a legacy standpoint. Having, for example, like I think uh, Stuart said a minute ago, like a or you did. Um, you know, a network admin and a, a system admin and, and so forth and different admins for applications and being able to actually orchestrate and automate these features. How does how does Nutanix do that? Well, man, that's a, that's a very that good heavy, question. Is that loaded? So, <laughs> <laughs> it's a heavy one. Um, so if I have to take that and really just present it in a quick format, we honestly, I think I've mentioned many times, we've taken the complexity out of it, right? Um, we've taken the complexity out of how you actually create, uh, you know, a storage pool. You go to initiate this or mm-hmm. you go to stand up a Nutanix cluster. Um, last one I did after, of course, I loaded up, you know, the images and all that kind of stuff. It took me 13 minutes to pull a cluster. Um, I was in vCenter deploying and loading up VMs in about 26 minutes. Um, so that fast pace, but it was really easy, right? There's no more of the network need or you know, I've got to go to a storage admin or I've got a, you know, MPLS that I've got to tie into or anything like that, right? Mm-hmm. We've really taken the complexity out of it and made it easy. So it's all built in and all the functionality all looks the same. So Prism, foundation that's built in to, act- to actually help deploy it. Um, so like I said, I mean, that's kind of, it's kind of a tough one. It's going to be inherent to whatever's driving that company as far as a digital transformation or digital technologies that they want to actually implement that's impacting their business. Um, but I, if I had to answer that one, I could tell you with 100% assuredness that Nutanix tackles 
almost every aspect of what's impacting businesses right now from a digital technology standpoint. Yeah, I'm definitely, I've seen a few demos and I am definitely a fan of the technology and just the way, I mean, just something simple as uh, if you want to even go into this, um, uh, maintenance, like and how seamless it is. I was pretty impressed by that. Right. And, you know, I, I honestly believe that there's still no one out there that does it quite like us where I can literally go in and I have great use cases where I've done this with, oh, you know, really, really small, you know, GSI called NTT data, but went in there at 11 o'clock and we literally upgraded their operating system, their um, VMware environment and their hypervisor. And we did it in about two clicks and it took about 48 minutes and we did it at 11 o'clock while it was in production. Um, and they did it all from prison. They didn't have to go to vCenter and upgrade the hypervisor, do all that, go anywhere else. It was a drop down, click, and we were actually able to do it. And I believe we grabbed a stake or two while it was happening. <laughs> so, like, um, so is Nutanix only uh, only for VMware? vCenter is the only thing that that, uh, or apologies, ESXi or ESX, the only thing that, that the only hypervisor it works with. No, not at all. Um, it's probably um, an easy conversation that comes up a lot because I would still say we're sitting at about 70% of people that utilize Nutanix use VMware, uh, but we do support Hyper-V. Uh, we do have our own hypervisor. It's called AHV. It's already built into the software. Uh, comes free, so if anybody wants to utilize it, um, and actually kind of call it out with uh, Dell EMC since we're on the phone with you guys is there's actually what we call a cold storage node that utilizes AHV um, and that is all for cold to you know cold storage aspect to add on to your environment that's awesome good good just taking a step um, and I want to get into some some kind of competitive right then conversations or how do you do things a little different than some of the other market players before we do that though you're talking about how easy Nutanix is and, and uh, our audience for, for this podcast is a lot of channel people, a lot of channel sellers. Um, easy sounds like no services to me. And the other audience is administrators, right, or, or technical buyers. Um, and from their point of view, how are you helping coach some of the traditional, say, storage admin or server admin that that sees easy as no paycheck? Um <laughs> So what's in it for our partners to really sell Nutanix? Where are you seeing our partners really make the money uh, and being able to help our customers with value-added services? And where are you seeing uh, some of our traditional customer base? I mean, a lot of hardware sellers we sell to, you know, system administrators, IT directors, uh, helping them make the transition to this new cloud world. So perfect. You know, I, I actually really love that um, question because you guys have been with me in training and stuff like that. And I do a lot of this with, you know, partners and everybody else. You know, I put a let me put it this way. I'll ask you guys, you know, when you go into a customer and let's let's take HCI and let's take Nutanix out of it. By the time you go back and resell the environment or go back and sell something else in that environment, how long do you think it usually is? For uh, You're saying how long? The, the, you're talking about how long it's to resell. Like? Oh, yeah. yeah. Three, five, five years with a lot of people yeah. now. Mm -hmm. And normally, do you think it's probably to write about the same buy or one times or two times the initial buy? Or I see where you're going, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and that's if you paid attention and were a good salesperson for five years. 
and we're there Ooh, to catch right. the ball when it shows right. back up. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah. So, you know, I, I've been there, guys. You know, we, we talked about where I've been. You know, you guys know I worked at, you know, I worked at Dell for, you know, almost six years. And, you know, I'm used to selling uh, the legacy and everything else. Well, let me put it this way. Um, on average, you're, you're between about 80 to 85 days for someone to repurchase um, Nutanix or XC hardware um, or anything like that. The average buy for or rebuy of Nutanix is two and a half times the uh, initial purchase. So in 80 days, you literally almost tripled what the revenue was from the initial buy. Um, this kind of leads to everything. When anybody has a cloud conversation and why it's very important for us, for you could call us hardware pushers or whatever, to really have this conversation with customers and say, hey, I know you're having a cloud conversation. Let's have a conversation how we can limit some of the stuff that's happening out there. You see these SEC impacts. You see what Russia's doing, everything like that. Wouldn't you like to keep it close to the hip and everything mm -hmm. like that? We could do that. And we, we see those impacts. That. I just saw uh, another note, right? Uh, S3 had another 40-minute outage recently, right? If you um, There's advantage to having some things in that private hybrid cloud model, right? Not everything should be in-house anymore. We know that. Um, but yeah, uh, having things where you can control where the data is and how you access it, I, I think is critical. Um, right. Well, where are you coaching our system administrators yeah, to go? Yeah, I was going to ask the same thing. Ah, so this is, this is in, in, you know, let's be very blunt because it, this definitely comes up. Um, I was actually um, with a, uh, a uh, Fed customer two weeks ago, and we were having a conversation, and you could see in the back that they're like, I'm a storage admin. So let's take that aspect. He's fed. He can't so, get fired. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. Everyone needs storage, right? So it's still there. This is the conversation I have with everybody. And so let, let's take a step back. Let's take a look at, at digital transformation, transformation, right? So is it driven from the bottom or the top, right? It's driven from the top. From top, yeah. So that means there's initiatives that need to happen from the top that the system administrators might not understand. But if I have to dumb it down with any customer that's out there, they have a need to better their business, right? So let's take now and even another step back. Why does Facebook win? Why is Facebook important? And there was a reason I teed it up earlier. They hire developers, innovators, right? Customers need to start to take the aspect of, I don't need to hire a network admin. I don't need to hire a, a storage admin. I'll repurpose it and make mine innovators, right? These storage admins or network admins, they're all very technical, they understand it. Why not have them help you build a better app? Be the first to market to build that app or something that's going to help your internal customers function better, right? Um, so I have that conversation all the time and it is something that always comes up. Oh my gosh, I'm scared about my job. If we're going to take everything out of the environment, I'm like, are you serious? I actually just talked to your CISO and he really wants you guys to speed up his application or his desktop deployment. So uh, actually he wants to deploy three more applications. Can you help him with that? Yeah. There you go, right? It's basically repurposing or reallocating what the the mindset is. And I, I just saw a note that Sephora, the makeup company, um, has actually had a lot of success in this digital transformation, taking employees that maybe they're not the the, the programming gurus that you'd expect out of a Google or a Facebook, uh, but they've been great IT employees. They're technical employees, and they spend a lot of time and effort retraining those and repurposing those resources to be able to support with digital transformation. Uh, but I think like any any professional career, right, if, you, if you're not willing to learn and continue to, to grow your skill set, 
Uh, that's where the dead end happens. You know, the, the kind of touch on this, right. I saw an interesting uh, slide during, on a presentation. I can't remember where I was, but it talked about like just budgets, and it was saying that the but uh, it's like the who moved my cheese conversation. So it's not that budgets have shrinked. It's not where they've just been shifted from where they were before. So there was a point in time when you're talking about traditional IT, budgets were a lot of time were spent um, on maintenance and from, from a procurement standpoint. Um, now uh, a lot of companies are, are coming up with initiatives. For example, how are we going to uh, bring um, uh, or attract the, the millennials into the workforce and there's initiatives behind that and like what type of programs and apps are we going to build for, as a company and what I kind of found interesting was uh, to be successful it's making sure that you're at the top of that conversation because if, typically if you fall into the bottom it does become that procurement just pure harder conversation and the great thing about hyperconverged Nutanix especially it fits to me at that like Mark just said at those top level conversations um, you can uh, pitch the value um, uh, um, of, the, of the product with someone that's rolling out an agenda in terms of uh, building apps and development and, and, and programs uh, so so anyway like I, I just thought that was a great conversation you know and oftentimes um, you know certain sales on the sales side of things if you get on the wrong end of the conversation you'll get like a, 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 a request for a proposal for like 100k when the actual true hidden budget could be a million you, you know so yeah Nutanix is oh, a yeah. great play for that uh, taking that that scenario in consideration uh, so Mark I think we've hit yeah. on a lot of things that you know Gartner IDC Dell EMC HP Lenovo we're all we're all very conscious of right digital transformation uh, what's the quote software's eating the world um, obviously Nutanix solves for a lot of that uh, how do you solve for it so you've got some folks like OpenStack, which I'm sure is, can be complementary or, or not, right? But and then you have VxRail, uh, Hyperflex, Simplicity. Um, how do you solve for it better or different? What's the advantage for Nutanix there and our customers? So, um, I you know, and I ask this to uh, you know customers and you know uh, people when I, I you know I'm training them. I'll ask them next week when I'm training people. How many pieces of software does Nutanix have? One. Right? One. So in, in one piece of software, I can have security. I can have, I can oh, both laid out, what? Dedupe, compression, snapshot, metro availability, uh, domains, you know, anything I'm looking at. I can even add orchestration, automation, network visualization, segmentation, all this kind of stuff. And I've done it in one software. And when we have our two major updates a year, you get that. Right. So we continue to innovate and kind of lead it from that. Plus, we've given someone the manageability feature of something that's HTML5 that can come up in any browser. Very lightweight, easy to use that. Guess what? Now, as I'm doing this digital transformation, we've taken a lot of that complexity of not adding extra software to it. And, you know, I could sit there and always attack the competition and say, well, you guys don't do this. But at the end of the day, what we do best is we packaged everything in one software made it easy to use. And as you transform your business, or as customers always say, when I ask them, why are we having this conversation? Well, I want to future-proof. Well, how can you future-proof if you're still doing some of the same things that you've been doing for 10 years? Absolutely. Let's take it a step further, right? Now we've taken all the complexity out of it. Take all your people, go out there to the marketplace, be the first one to lead with an app. And guess what? Don't worry about it. Two clicks, you upgrade your environment. 
you know what? You created a VM in 13 seconds. You added to it. Guess what? You put a node. It already populated your IP addresses. You literally spent five minutes managing your IT today instead of six hours. So, so I, that's a benefit you're definitely going to get. I think everybody runs around and says, oh, we're DevOps. We're, we support DevOps. We support cloud, right? Then you see 15 panes of glass and you start asking them, oh, well, how are you doing BIOS updates or, or firmware updates on your, your stack? And, uh, oh, well, that's a separate set of tools. We don't worry about that, right? So I think a lot of people focus on, it sounds like Nutanix has a better grasp than a lot of the, the market space out there on how to holistically manage an environment. I, I totally agree with that, and I, and I love the way you put that. It is so true. We even have the connection, and I, honestly, one of the great things is I can lead it back to Dell EMC. We even have our lifecycle management 1.2 that we just launched, where anything that has to do with iDRAC and lifecycle controller, you can now update you know, with no downtime, all your firmware, BIOS, and everything straight from prison. So the integration is there. We do a great job of working with everybody out there. We have already plugins to Avamar, Data Domain, uh, you know, RESTful APIs where, heck, we have an SE that he runs his whole cluster from a freaking Alexa. Oh, that's awesome. So is there like uh, a... Any... <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I, Alexa never listens to me, so I'm picturing screaming at Alexa in my kitchen, telling her to try and update my <laughs> Nutanix cluster, and I just... <laughs> Yeah, one of these days, she's going to, like, call the cops for domestic abuse. I think I threw my flip-flop at her the other day. <laughs> they, she will have rights soon enough. Yeah, right? She's like, hmm, I'm not sure. Oh, really? Or uh, you'll get charged with sexual harassment. I don't like the way he's right? talking to me. <laughs> so, so is there from a – and I'm going to speak specifically about the Dell XC platform. Is there a reason to go out of PRISM to manage the hardware? Like, are you saying that you can just stay in PRISM pretty much – the entire time in terms of management? Sure. Um, I, I have, I have people that, Hey, I, I just love eCenter and I want to use it if I'm a VMware environment or mm -hmm. something like that. Um, but honestly, once you get it out there and you set it up, no, there's really no reason to go outside of prison, go anywhere else. You could do it from one, uh, better yet. You know, you, you touched on XC. Look, we're winning business, you know, where maybe, uh, there was other stuff in place. Like you guys might walk in an environment or a customer and they already have Nutanix, but it's NX. Well, we have even Prism Central that it's a holistic view of, you know, different types of clusters all in one. So honestly, yeah, there's no no reason to go to another management portal. So like, uh, I have well, kind of a stepping way back, kind of a high level question. What about hyperconverged? And, and I'm not speaking about Nutanix specifically, but just from where you sit in, like hyperconverged in general, do customers have a hard time accepting? Like, what, like, what, what would you say as a challenge from a sales and SE perspective in getting your customers to move to hyperconverge? Sure, um, it, it's kind of the quintessential thing that we, you know, when we're back selling virtualization, right? So when you look at it, and and we talk about from a software HCI modem, you're talking about at that point, everything is virtualized. There's no such thing as, okay, cool, yes, I can I can deploy a bare metal, but if I wanna use this appliance or this white box for my whole environment, everything is virtualized at this point. So you've gotta get them to wrap their head around it going, oh my gosh, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. What about my performance? What, well, what happens if something goes out, you know? You, you know our job a lot of times and a lot of the pushback is like, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose performance or, you know, networking bottlenecks or, you know, things like that. And you have to go back to almost the same way you used to have to explain virtualization and going, hey guys, I want you to take six servers and put it in two. 
right? right. All the failover, all the disaster recovery. So that, that's usually something to, that you really have to pay attention to is make them comfortable and understanding that, look, there's so much resiliency that, you know, if we took it in the storage aspect, look, if I had to take it, you're still going to have your five nines of availability, right? Mm-hmm. Or however you want to put it, but you just, yeah, it, it's really making them comfortable. You know what that kind of reminds me of uh, from a consumer standpoint when the iPhone was first released <clears throat> excuse me, and there were no buttons. And I was freaking out because I was like, wait a second. It's just a screen. Like, how do I yeah. – I made it? You know? And then now it's standard. Like there are no buttons pretty much on phones now. You know, So yeah, it's just kind of, kind of something like I like to use for uh, – as, as an example when I'm explaining the, the, the evolution of people. Right. And, you know, that's that's a great aspect to look at. And it's, you know, it took it took a little bit of adoption. But honestly, at the end of the day, it happened really fast with iPhone users. They saw how good it was, how easy it was. Right. Honestly, that's Nutanix. It takes a little bit more because you're talking about customers that want to spend sometimes upwards of you know millions of dollars to do (laughs) it. But it's making them comfortable and showing them once they see Prism, they see how we move. They see that look. We have all the security from built-in stigs that are hardened where you don't spend six hours doing that now. It auto-heals itself. Wait, it auto-heals? I don't even have to touch anything? Yeah. It's like your iPhone. There's a lot of aspects you don't have to do. I heard iPhone ten is a million dollars. <laughs> yeah, it might as well be. <laughs> Speaking of a million dollars, um, scale, right? I think a lot of people think, oh, Nutanix, you know, hyperconverge still fairly new, right? I mean – five years in the marketplace. It's not a, mm-hmm. an ancient technology, although that's arguable in some aspects. But, you know, modern x86-based hyperconverged. What scale? How far can we go? I mean, I know what, what we're working on on our team alone. It's it's not small. It's No. Um, I mean, honestly, it's – and uh, gosh, you know, whatever you're kind of dreaming of. And I can relate it back to some of our, you know – Let's use Home Depot as a great commercial aspect. They're putting their whole foundation on it. I think they're somewhere in the neighborhood of upwards of around 815 nodes of uh, of Nutanix. And what's that um, workload? Is it all e-commerce? Is it uh, mixed workload, commercial data center stuff? What is it? It's mixed. That's what's great about it, right? So the aspect of everything and it kind of relate back to the cloud, right? Why do people want to use the cloud and everything like that? Well, I can spin up different things. I can, I can have multiple workloads. I can have multiple this, multiple that. It gives them the flexibility to do that. Um, so yeah, you can add there for multiple type environments for their e-commerce, their web front end, um, from everything from their checkout systems, everything is running on it and they're able to manage it however they want. Right. Am I saying this is one big cluster of 815? No. But the best part about it is they only have to sign in one management piece to see all of it. You said this was Home Depot, correct? Correct. Stuart had as a great example, like what it was the uh, Home Depot became a software company. Like what's uh, how do you say that? What was it uh, the day that Home Depot realized that Amazon sold more hammers than they did? They became a digital company. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah. That's awesome. And, and going back that's to that awesome. comment around mixed workload, right? I think that's one thing as sellers we miss, as technologists we miss. Uh, we should have the exact right tool for the exact right environment. We should go tweak every knob and my SQL environment needs to be tuned flawlessly and my SharePoint environment needs to be tuned flawlessly and my Apache environment. That's not the point of the story. The point of the story is you need to deliver your business the ability to adapt and adjust on the fly really fast. And 
I'm sure Nutanix, nobody's going to say, is 100% tuned for the perfect Oracle environment, but it will deliver it quickly. It will give the performance that you need for it. And if you look at the cost of the business, maybe you can squeak out a dollar here or a dollar there. But what you've got is a fast business response, and the loss of money isn't you know, an extra 3% in hardware. The loss of money is in not being able to respond to my customers and letting my competition get the leg up. Exactly. That, and that's just it, right? Now, now we live in such a, you know, we, we talked about it before with iPhones, digital transformation. We live in a highly digital world where everything needs to be upfront and your face at all times. Home Depot, and I like to use them as a commercial account, understood that. I think you made a good analogy as, you know, Amazon selling all these hammers. What if I beefed up my web presence and everything like that? Well, that's how you deliver it, right? You deliver by building your own complex cloud, but in a non-complex, in a non-management complex way, if you know what I mean, right? Because not everybody can manage a, a cloud environment, right? So all those aspects to help speed up the business and then innovate, right? Home Depot's got to figure out a way now to be Lowe's, to be, you know, someone else, right? Um, well, and we can all use Amazon because dang, they, they do just about everything now. Yeah. And I'm, I'm too lazy to get another app on my phone. Um, so yeah. as we start to wind this up, I guess as one more question for you, you're talking about cloud management, right? And again, HCI doesn't give you cloud. It gives you a, a platform that yes, your administrators can get to faster, but it doesn't answer the question of how does my developer sitting in the line of business, uh, be able to fire up a new system and develop and deploy uh, in an agile methodology. You said Prism has some automation and orchestration. What's that extra component there to make sure that we can get the cloud to the developer just like they could go use their credit card at AWS uh, instead of just having a really fast piece of hardware where they still get stuck in all these management and approval processes inside of the, the their IT organization? Right. So that's what's great about it. So now we talk about... Um, in and I'm trying to think of the word right now, but uh, basically templates are built or you can build your own templates and actually have them in our calm marketplace. And so from that point on, everything from the security to the firewall to everything's built in. So it's already stamped for approval. And you can actually, based on Active Directory, LDAP or anything like that, give responsibilities within an organization, right? So there's no more, I got to submit a ticket to be able to, to say, hey, HR is a good example. I'm having a new hire class. I need a whole new uh, file share set up for this new hire class. Well, literally go in there and provision it without having to go through and put in all the tickets to say, hey, I need this on the networking. I need this, blah, blah, blah. We've actually taken all that complexity just and I, the way I always relate back is a cloud because that's what they've done is they've taken all the complexity out of it because the templates are there. You click a button, they're deployed based on all the security, the protocols, however you want it, and your credit card's right there. Well, the best part at that point is, is does everybody want to take the cost inherent to it? So no, as you go to deploy, it's going to give you the cost analysis to say, hey, if they're running this for two weeks, this is going to be their cost. That could be a charge back to that segment. So two points. I think we're seeing, what, 30% less than public cloud for cost to own cloud functionality and host it on-prem? Is it something like that? Oh, easily. And sometimes it could be up where, I mean, I look at some customers that I talk to now and I'm like, oh my gosh, like literally you could pay for your whole environment, what you want to do on your mixed <laughs> workloads, not just the cloud, in three months if you step away from the cloud. Is that the new sales so, strategy? Let me uh, beat your Amazon bill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, you, 
You know, it, it, it's true. You know, honestly, uh, and it's funny that you say that, you know, I, I, I get it when I go in front of and I train people or, or teach them our technology and they go, who's who's your largest competitor? And, and I'll be blunt. They'll be like, hey, it, it's got to be Vectrail, Rack, you know, those guys. I said, no, it's Amazon, it's AWS, it's the people that don't have us. Those are our largest competitors. Those are the ones out there every day that are winning by charging 10000 the cheapest a month for for a business upwards to hundreds of thousand dollars a month for their environment. It's not even their whole environment. Yep, absolutely. Um, so I, I had one thing for we sh- before we move on, like uh, just two things, kind of like a closing point. One, um, are there any resources out there in terms of sizing or um, uh, educational resources uh, that we can uh, direct people to? And if so, we'll put those in the show notes. Yeah, I mean, honestly, our uh, Nutanix Bible is amazing from a technical aspect. It'll it'll definitely um, explain exactly how Nutanix works. Um, our partners and, you know, everybody else normally could sign up for an account. So my.nutanix.com is a great place. Sign up. Um, you'll get the training links. You'll get references, white papers, uh, who's doing it. Um, how the technology works, uh, sales track training to engineer training. So it's great. Great. Uh, and how can our, how can everybody get a hold of you? What's the best way? You got a Twitter handle that you like? Yeah. Um, I love Stuart. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I'm so there, bad. You'll have to I be like, like uh, number, you know, I love Stuart number 200. You know, it's a, it's a popular yeah. handle there. <laughs> Um, so yeah, they could definitely reach out to me uh, on Twitter. So um, it's at Perry um, underscore NTNX. Uh, so Nutanix, or I mean, honestly, email me. Uh, you know, I'm on the road. Emails are are, are easy. So Mark Perry at Nutanix.com. Wonderful, awesome, Mark. Um, before we open up, uh, wanted to uh, first say thank you, Mark. Like this has been extremely helpful. Um, Full transparency, Stuart, and I've worked with Mark on numerous occasions, and he's great. So absolutely, definitely um, uh, a wealth of knowledge, and we appreciate your time, man. Um, Thank you. Yeah, no problem. And the uh, the other thing, uh, we have a new segment um, that we wanted to, and this was actually dedicated to a friend and coworker of ours who also works Ron. Ron Holland. It's called "Gone the Way of the Zoom." Um, so today's "Gone of the Way of the Zoom" is. AOL Instant Messenger. Um, I'm not old enough to know what that is. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this for, for those, yeah, like I mean, I have spent. I actually worked at AOL a long time ago. Oh, that's right. And so I had two AIM accounts. I had my work AIM, and then I had my handle. So anyone before that goes offline, you can hit me up on AIM at Plixonix. P L I X O N I X for eight days. For eight days. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. We wanted to uh, say thank you to AOL for the years of service, and uh, oh, it was an awesome. It, it changed how we write. Twitter is yeah. just an extension of fast <laughs> chat. Yeah, excellent. And yeah. thank you for not making me write formal letters anymore. All right, I'm hitting the unmute button now. Uh, everybody's now open for our audience. Uh, anybody that has. I believe you're all on mute yourselves, it looks like, but you can all unmute yourselves. Any questions out there? Any follow-ups for Mark? Uh, again, this can also be confidential zones information. I will edit it, obviously, before we put anything out. So if there's any questions out there. 
Oh, oh, wait to come offline. Uh, Mark, as I write up the show notes, I will send you an email, make sure everything looks correct, any additional links that you want to add out there, uh, resource information or contacts. Um, and then we publish that all out along with the episode out through Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play. Great. I appreciate um, the time. All right, well, it looks like there's no questions. Well, Mark, do you have anything... Any final comments? Yeah, any comments? Um, I mean, it, to do with you guys, you know, Christian, thanks for the kind words. I've worked with you guys before. and um, You know, the grasp you guys have, I think you're a wealth of knowledge, and I think you get it. Um, so really, if I have to kind of just throw anything out there, have the conversation, because guess what? Everybody's looking at that digital transformation. Everybody's looking at that wondrous name called cloud, right, and everything else. Um, learn what really drives it, right? How can they get there? Help them. If they don't get it and they don't understand and they think it might be detrimental to their business, help them understand it could do nothing but help them succeed. Speaking of that, like I have one comment. Um, well, not – it's a little off base. But uh, I carry the last name that's actually a little bit painful hmm. to be in this industry. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I get teased quite often, so I need to figure out a way to capitalize on it somewhere, somehow. <laughs> yep. Everybody's like, hey, how do you do the cloud? You got to buy them dinner first. There, there you go. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. With that, we are wrapped up for the day. Everyone, uh, thank you for listening to another Talking IO episode. You can reach out to me at Stuart at Work on Twitter. And I am CCloud, C-Cloud IO, and I need to be more active on Twitter. Yes. <laughs> All righty. Mark Perry has been our guest, system engineer with Nutanix. Mark, we greatly appreciate the time. Thank you, everyone, and have a wonderful day. Thank you. This has been another episode of Talking I.O. with hosts Christian Cloud and Stuart Harmon. We appreciate you listening. Follow us on TalkingIO.com or on Twitter at TalkingIO. 